0: Things shifting in the distance Don't know what it is Days is dead as dead night Except for that feeling That's crawling up inside of me As you sing your song As you swing along And you're It's your Your song Sit down stare at you as you twist up along, you sing your song and you're slithering up to me and you're so close, I just uh, wanna touch you and uh, sing your song and you don't know what's going on. sing it in my insides and sing along. You're just a swinging man and you're a swinging song. And now I don't know what you want, but you're looking at me. And you're falling on the ground and you're twisting around. Fucking with my, my mind and I don't know what's going on. through the lungs, you slither they're up to me, and it's gotta be, and I don't know what you wanna do when you're looking at me, and your big dark eyes, and you're rubbing your body,
1: You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Ben Catmull. Ben's latest book is Ghosts and Ruins from Fanagraphics, as well as uh, the first issue of Monster Parade, which came out from Fanagraphics, I want to say eight years
2: ago. So it's 2006? six six or years 2006 or 2007, around. Yeah.
1: Six or seven years ago. There
2: yeah. we go. Um. As
1: well as work in anthologies like Expo 2001, Dirty Stories, and co-editing the Marvelous uh, Orchid Anthology and having
2: a story in there.
1: Uh, anything else I'm forgetting about?
2: Uh, I did a Zurich book in 2001. That's right. Uh, paper Theater.
1: But I haven't actually read that. <laughs> Bad Robin.
2: That's that's you, You're not missing much.
1: Um... Thank you, Ben, for taking <laughs> the time to chat with me today. Um, this may seem typical, but like reading through your work, one of the first things I want to talk about is your childhood. Uh-oh. Because I'm getting the feeling that a lot of the imagery you use um, is kind of what's resonated with you throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering if that's been something when you're growing up uh, were there like particular images or particular books um, that really put a solid impact on you
2: Oh um like things that are just kind of dark and spooky yeah, yeah, yeah I was always yeah I always like that kind of stuff um, what are some what are some of the things that stand out I, when I was a little kid, I loved that dark crystal movie. I remember, that was my favorite movie, and I had the art book, and I carried it around. Um, this is in, like, elementary school.
1: That was Brian Fraud, uh, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of that, my early stuff. Um, oh, Because one,
1: one, one of the things I was thinking about looking at your stuff is just how um, there's a bit of, like, repeated type of imagery with these, like, dark houses dark settings and I really get that feeling like that was something that kind of stuck with you that like you'd been in these experiences and seen things and it's just kind of like
2: permeating in there um well I I think one of the things that I that I took uh, from my child into that is just uh, living close to nature and and just um, I really liked uh playing with all the weird bugs in the backyard was um, I, I was always fascinated with you know finding weird insects and smushing them and <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess as far as architecture like I guess that that book's really into um, really about architecture I don't I'm not exactly sure when I realized that was something I was really into I guess that's more recently um, but I did uh move around a lot when I was a kid so I guess I have a lot of houses to remember. Mm. Uh and houses that I that you know I can't go back to because my parents don't live there anymore. Uh so I guess that could be a part of it.
1: Maybe. Um what kind of uh comics and uh books do you read growing up? Like children's books, illustrated books?
2: Um I, I think some of my favorite books I remember having was, uh, uh, we had a couple of Mercer Mayer books. Um, there was one called one monster after another. Uh, and, uh, there's another one called Dr. Wormbog and the quest for the search for the zipper rumpazoo. <laughs> and I can't find these anymore. They're really hard to find, but, uh, I love those books. And I, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd almost forgotten about them, but, and, uh, but there's this one monster in in uh, i think it was one monster after another called the typhoonigator that was like a giant it was basically like a, a cross between um uh, an, uh, an aardvark and a giant storm cloud and it it was like uh floating around sucking up all the water out of the ocean and the water just looked like it was made out of like some kind of liquid spaghetti spaghetti stuff um and i i think that kind of subconsciously like that that was like so such a clear thing that I loved when I was a kid that I kind of stopped thinking about it and I think it was one time when I was showing my work to to Dan Klaus and he made some offhand remark about Mercer Mayer and I was like oh yeah duh I've been trying to recapture the feeling of that typhoonigator monster all this time um let's see also there's also my uh, my older brother collected comics so he uh so he had he had um lot of those x-men and new mutants um i remember when uh sinkevich started drawing the new mutants yeah and when he first started i thought it was really ugly and i didn't like it and then by the end of his run i remember being really really bummed that he stopped
0: yeah
1: because there was that
2: what was that the weird black jumbly robot thing that could change shape warlock warlock i remember Yeah. yeah being really into warlock um and then, and then my dad had um, heavy metal magazines uh, that he collected during the run of back when it was run by the the original Europeans from like the the 100%. late '70s to the you know mid '80s.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so he he kind of I think he kept he I think when we were younger he tried to keep them hidden away, but he didn't really try very hard. And we would dig those up and look through those.
1: That had some good dark content in it. Yeah, yeah. Now, were you drawing a lot um, as a kid and as a teen?
2: Uh, yes. That... I was always obsessed with drawing from before I can remember. Yeah. I would get, I was, um, generally, I'm, I don't think of myself as a competitive person, but I would always get upset when I would see people that could draw better than me when I was growing up. Like, that was the only thing that I would be competitive about. Um, what would and, you do- Sorry, what?
1: What would you do to like make yourself be a better drawer It's so conceptual in a way um,
2: I don't know I just I just drew a lot and yeah. I just thought there were ideas in my head and I wanted to draw them.
1: Did you go to art school
2: or did you go to animation school like an,
1: I totally like I know nothing about your early days oh. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I went to um, Academy of Art College. For a couple of years in San francisco in the the uh, the illustration department, and where I also took some um, uh, computer animation classes there as well and I was at Calarts for one year in the in the character animation department
1: and is that what you do now is animation
2: uh well, the last time I had a paying job yeah it was animation 3 <laughs> um, d animation
1: now you um were you pretty involved. Like what drew you into the comic scene itself? Was it the mini comic scene? because I know you're really closely with Dylan Williams for a long
2: time yeah yeah it was it was um it was through mini comics um i i uh I gave up on mainstream comics when I was fifteen um, mm-hmm. there there's a number of things that i that i just i i think it was i got kind of disillusioned with some of the things that I was into as far as the mainstream comics were. And, uh, at, plus I was, you know, going into high school and starting to dress weird and, you know, do more adult things like go to my friend's house and burn things in the backyard. Uh,
1: <laughs> Squishing bugs, burning yeah. things. I'll I make, I'm keeping a list. Right.
2: Um, but yeah, that the, uh, towards the very end of my, my comic collecting, um, in like eighty nine or ninety uh, uh Dylan Williams worked at the the comic book store that i that i went to um and he would try to get me to buy more interesting stuff but at the time i just wasn't uh i, I just wasn't open minded enough to listen to him um but then in it was in ninety oh when i there was a period between when i stopped collecting and when i learned about mini comics where i was drawing comics for myself and i had no idea what i would do with them or why I was doing them Mm -hmm. Um, and like I I was just just doing it out of compulsion like these and I didn't know anything about good comics were out there so I was just making these weird horrible dark fantasy comics um, that you will never see and I'll never tell anybody about. (laughs) Uh, and then I just ran into this this friend of mine that I that I sort of knew at the time I, I only just it was this guy that I had just sort of met through other people and he told me about a, um, a group of, of um, uh, self-published mini-comics artists called Puppy Toss. Okay. That, uh, the, and they, they all hung out every Friday at, at uh, Round Table Pizza <laughs> in Berkeley. And so I just, uh, I just showed up to that meeting. And I was like 17 or something. So, yeah, I was, I was still in high school. And, um, and I just showed up to this meeting and, and there was Dylan Williams again. Who I hadn't seen since I stopped collecting comics, and, and there was just all of these uh, mini comics artists, and I just I learned about the whole underground, alternative, or whatever, starting with uh, with the mini comics and yeah. all of those people, and that was in that was in ninety uh, three.
1: Did it? Um, did you jump in pretty headfirst at that point, like reading lots of comics, kind of re embracing it?
2: Well, they they had. Um... Uh, they they were also trying to do distribution because um, this is pre-internet um, yeah. <clears throat> and so they uh, they had a the puppy toss ran a catalog and anybody who did anything self-published could be sent into puppy toss and so we just had this this cabinet that was full of everything self-published that was going on in the country and so i just yeah i just started my education just reading self-published stuff and this is back when, when like, uh, um, optic nerve was self-published,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and I discovered like Mark Bell. Um, There's Ariel Bordeaux, and um,
1: did Mark's stuff seem like kind of from another world at that point in comparison with the other work you're seeing?
2: Uh, I don't know. I just it just when I saw it, it was just my favorite mini comics. When I saw it, it was just. Like, I was made for somebody with my sense of humor. Yeah. Um, so I, I always loved his stuff from the beginning. And then it was just kind of through that, and then I, you know, I spent a couple of months working at Comic Relief, you know, through the Puppy Toss people. And then when I worked at Comic Relief, you're allowed to, to check out any of the books when you go home, kind of like a library. And that's when I learned about Fantagraphics and Drawn and Quarterly and all, the, all those big guys. So what
1: kind of work were you making for yourself at that point as you're, like, kind of looking at these comics that you weren't familiar with before? Like, did it kind of change what you yes. wanted to do or yeah. how you wanted to do it?
2: Yeah, I did I did my own little um, mini-comic anthology with me. I would do me and, and a couple other friends. And the, the, the first one was still, like, dark gothic elf stuff. Um, <laughs> but... The, but then by the end of, of um, Puppy Toss, I I think my my taste completely changed just um, being in that environment. Yeah. Um, and my stuff got a lot less, you know, dark fantasy. And I was more into Dan Klaus and, and Mark Bell by the end of it.
1: Your work still feels pretty dark. I don't know, like, was there a lot of similarities to what you're doing then to what you're doing in the last five years? or?
2: Um, it's, it's hard to say because they're, my old comics are so crappy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't just mean like taste-wise, but like technically, on a, yeah. on a technical level. Um, I'm trying to remember what the later issues I'm almost forgetting what my own comics were like. I, yeah, I just, I hardly knew what I was doing. I was just kind of flailing around and making stuff up without any real clear vision yet.
1: Because I definitely get the feeling that, like, um, the darkness in your work, like, that sounds terrible the way I put it, Um, (laughs) like, it's very personal in a way, like, I don't want to say visceral because it's not like a violent darkness, but it's yeah. like a creepy darkness. Um, not in that Josh Simmons kind of way, but more kind of an undisturbed bleakness. Mm. I think I put too many concepts in there. Didn't
2: <laughs> I? Well, I, 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 I have this theory that I, uh, I haven't really articulated. So I don't know if I say it out loud. I sound totally stupid or not. Um, but just that, that uh I suspect that maybe a lot of our storytelling and, and just sitting around thinking about stories and stuff may maybe evolved from I don't know that the eon I don't know if eons is the right word, from from all that the human history of just sitting around the campfire.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like we've like since before human history we probably, you know, since the or at least since the invention of fire, we just sat around and you know, around this cozy fire surrounded by weird, mysterious dark stuff and didn't really have anything to do except, you know, tell each other stories and, you know, just that, that environment of, um, you know, weird animals out in the dark woods making strange sounds and and us just kind of, you know, the way that kind of engages our imagination. So yeah, I guess that, just that kind of feeling of just um, sitting around at nighttime and, and that atmosphere and, and um, stories that come to you. I, I'm just articulating this really badly, but... No, it. it yeah. I
1: mean, there's, there's a couple things in there. I mean, you have... There is this idea of kind of literary traditions, um, for lack of a better term, mm. um, where, like, nothing that anyone does is in a vacuum. Like, everyone is taking something from something else and building hmm. on it um and i think to kind of feel like there's a place that your work fits in hmm. is that kind of what what you're going towards Is that kind of
2: work for you i i don't i'm not sure what you mean by that
1: like uh precedence for work that comes out um and knowing that like the work that you do um it it, it it follows what other things and like you're saying, like following the idea of like what people talked about around these fire you know, around the yeah. fires in the dark. Um, and I guess it's like a certain attraction to like the unknown and the unexplained.
2: Um, yeah, I think things that are that are harder that are like only half understood are, are kind of interesting. It's it's kinda like when you it it I think it kinda captures the feeling of when you're a kid and the world makes a lot less sense, but you, you're just kind of forced to accept it and, and slowly learn more. Like when you're an adult and everything's kind of figured out and explained, then it's just kind of flat and boring. So I guess trying to create a world where things are only kind of half explained and, and you kind of have to use your imagination about what's past, you know, the things you can't quite see or hear, then it's, that also kind of creates that, uh, that kind of feeling of, of when you're younger and the, and, uh the world is a little more new and interesting and and kind of strange.
1: Orchid book, uh-huh. that that I, you guys put out through Sparkplug. Uh, what yeah. year was that? That was two
2: thousand three-ish. Two, and
1: two. Wow. Oh. Okay. Um. That came out after Paper Theater. I think you said yeah. that came out two thousand one. Um. Now, what was Paper Theater like? The, the zero grant book.
2: Yeah, that was uh, I made I made some large size mini comics in the like. Around ninety nine and two thousand, and then I um, just collected them together as a, with a zero grant. Uh, so that's just like a bunch of unrelated short stories.
1: Is it kind of similar in theme to the to this other work, the more modern work?
2: Yeah, I guess it's all kind of um, weird and dark, ish. <laughs> now, um,
1: what did you have intended? when you guys did Orchid because um, it's kind of interesting, one of those anthologies which has lasted really well mm-hmm. like you see a lot of things that have come out you know, in the early 2000s and the 90s, alternative comics and so it's uh, it hasn't aged well and um, yeah. Orchid's really interesting success in, in what you guys brought together
2: It so was I, I think it was m- the, mostly it was by far mostly Dylan's work Yeah um and he he wanted me to kind of be involved because just because he liked me not because i could actually contribute anything i think um but yeah he um uh our fr- our friends um you know er- er- Landry Walker and Eric Jones no in a lot of mainstream work now um they used to do a comic called Little Gloomy and now they have something out called Danger Club but uh they they used to be part of Puppy Toss, um, and in two thousand or around two thousand one ish or two thousand, um, uh, they edited an anthology for for um, slave labor called Toxic Paradise, uh, and that's where I originally had that zombie a zombie story I did in paper theater called All Zombies Attack was in that, and that inspired Dylan to want to do another anthology. I think he was going to originally do it as a the next Toxic Paradise? I can't remember. Or maybe he just wanted his own version mm-hmm. done his way. Uh, and his first idea was um, an H.P. Lovecraft anthology. But then for some reason he decided to change his mind and wanted to do it. Um, Victorian horror.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think he picked out most of the artists. and I think the only contribution I came up with was um, uh, Gabrielle Bell uh, like I suggested that, although he might have done that anyway, and I tried to get another friend of mine um, uh, who pulled out, named uh, Sanjay Patel, who, uh, which is that's kind of like it's like the uh, John Smith, an in Indian, but uh, but he's um, he's well known for those those these uh, um, uh, Indian mythology books. Uh, he's been putting out like Gee Happy there um in the Ramayana he recently did the Ramayana through Chronicle books
1: okay I the name's kind of familiar but
2: yeah um, and he was um yeah he was supposed to be into it, in it but he pulled out and then I think Dylan pretty much did everything else
1: but you're happy with what came out from it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: um, did you get to learn through the editorial process or was it just kind of Dylan taking a really strong lead?
2: I think it was we just invited people we liked, and then they they turned the work in you know we didn't I mean Dylan is really was really um, hardcore about not meddling with an artist's vision. he's like you either you either like their stuff or you don't and if you like yes. their stuff, you should commit to to helping them put it out there so there was I don't think he he really gave any significant feedback editorially yeah
1: one of the the great things about that book then. People should check it out. Is the uh, the David Lasky story, the adaptation of the Raven? Yeah,
2: I think that was a. Uh, David Lasky happened to have that sitting around, and he found out about our anthology because yeah. I don't think we had initially invited him. He just he just knew about it, and then sent you know, sent that in.
1: It's one of my fave comics ever. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> um. So Monster Parade was originally, um. Intended to be, I guess, a kind of one-man anthology. Um, but just the one issue came out. Yeah. Around the horrible time when Diamond decided to cut back or raise the minimum orders, and I'm wondering because of that, um, how that affected you,
2: kind of working on that. Um, I don't know what goes on the, on the business side. I I guess I never. The, the idea of making money doing comics it never really entered my head I mean like ever in my life <laughs> mm-hmm. so I, I when it didn't make any money it just kind of felt like business as usual um so i mean but the the reason I didn't disc continue it is just because i uh um, I was having a lot of trouble getting the next story to look the way I wanted it and i was i was starting it and re-inking it a whole bunch of times. Uh and then I got stressed out and I just decided to to um make a large standalone coffee table book instead. Um so I did Ghosts and Ruins. Um and I was thinking of going back to Monster Parade afterwards, but um I'm not so sure right now.
1: Was uh working Ghosts and Ruins really good in taking you in a different direction? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I, well the, what I liked about it was just being able to, you know, flex my my drawing muscles to their fullest in that you know rendered illustration style. Uh because if you if you make comics like that, it's it doesn't quite work and it's really impractical. But since I was doing more of like a you know one image per every other page, um, it it kind of freed me up to just kind of uh, uh, do a fully rendered art.
1: Um, when you were doing working on um, playing these images together, I'm curious, um, how that kind of developed from being um, focusing on singular images. Did you have these particular little stories in mind, or did that kind of come later uh, after pulling all these images together?
2: Uh, well, I I had the the ideas of what the houses were about when I drew them, but I didn't I didn't do the the actual or nail down the wording until after I'd finished the, uh, the art. And then writing ended up being a lot more hard than I thought, even though they're, they're like teeny little blurbs. It's still really hard to, to, to write like those little succinct little, um, descriptions without just sounding awkward.
1: Yeah. Well, you want to get it particularly right.
2: Yeah. Right. right. (laughs) I think that the intro was the one thing where, uh, I did it the last minute because somebody told me that they thought the intro was way too sparse. And so the intro is like the one piece of writing that didn't get rewritten like ten times before I put it in the book. I probably shouldn't say that, but I, I haven't reread the intro since I put it in the book because I'm <laughs> nervous about how stupid it came out.
1: I enjoyed it. Right. I think it's a well put together <clears throat> book. Um, I'm curious about the meat is it a lot of scratchboards?
2: yeah it's on uh, it was, it's a thing called clayboard which is like scratchboard on masonite okay um
1: had this been something you'd worked with before or trying a new uh,
2: yeah, th- i yeah mean, was that yeah that was the first time i i mean i I'd, I'd done some tests that that gave me the idea to continue in that style but um I hadn't really done any good finished art until i till i did that in that style I think there's actually a couple of images. Um, they were the first images that I made that I tossed because they look crappy.
1: Is it difficult to work with, um, as far as the medium? Like, if you need to make any corrections or anything like that?
2: No, it's actually it's really forgiving because it's, it's scratchboard. So I can add the white, and I, I mean I can add the the black, and then I can scratch it away in any order. So I can I can always correct anything.
1: You can just put more black on and then scratch yeah. that
2: away. The difficult part is just is just how time-consuming it is because um, it's lots of little marks.
1: Now, I was looking through your Tumblr, and it's a lot of images that you've mm-hmm. kind of found or reblogged of different buildings and kind of different architecture. I'm, so, I'm curious, like, looking at kind of like a photo more, um what mm-hmm. kind of stuff were you looking at when you started putting this book
2: together? Oh, let's see. Um... I was, I guess, looking everywhere, um, in books and old movies, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm always kind of like an image vacuum, because I'm always, uh, you know, I like drinking coffee and just going into a used bookstore and looking for some book I'd never heard of before, and I watch a lot of movies, and so it's, I, I guess I pulled lots of little things from lots of places.
1: Um... I was looking through your blog and one of the interesting things, like one of the things I thought about your work is you must like have some kind of interest in kind of medieval block press art or something. And then I saw the book that you'd been given uh, by Dylan that his grandfather had, I guess, two copies of, and it all kind of clicked and made sense. And I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about that.
2: Oh, the, uh, the old, um, I don't even know what it's called. It's in, it's in a, language I can't understand, but yeah, Dylan's Dylan's um, grandfather was a, uh, a, a like a professor or a scholar or something of, of medieval literature, and uh, and then he passed away, and Dylan was allowed to you know cherry pick his his book collection, and he gave the rest to the library, and he found two copies of this this three hundred year old book. Um, that had illustrations on every right-hand page. Of uh, uh, half of it is Aesop's Fables, and the other half is uh, I forget what it is. Yeah, but they're really beautiful. It's like the only valuable book I have.
1: And it's something you spent a lot of time just absorbing the images.
2: Yeah, well, I have a, I have a lot of other books that have similar images, but those are all you know cheap reprints. Mm-hmm. So, but that's I mean, just that's one that's actually physically valuable but I get a lot of great um, ideas from all... You know, I have a huge bookshelf full of used books.
1: You're mentioning the uh, Japanese bookstore with the uh, Ghosts and Demons section.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Which seems like it's kind of tailor-made for you to oh, go to.
2: Right, that's that's where I got the idea for um, uh, Wandering Smoke, the, the, the one chapter in Ghosts and Ruins. Um, I had originally done these sketches of just these just weird pillow clouds just kind of hovering around. But then I saw this, this old um, Japanese print where this in one of those uh, ghosts and demons books where a a lantern had fallen over and there was this, this smoke that just looked like undulating spaghetti smoke. Um, And I realized that that would be a lot of fun to, to, you know, have that kind of flowing through space and casting weird shadows.
1: Someone where you'd kind of use a bit of that too right the the video the um I wrote it down here somewhere I can't even find where I wrote it uh still working
2: oh yeah, uh that's not animation though
1: oh sorry but um, miniatures
2: yeah miniatures yeah yeah my my it was my friend sean McCardle is also a musician and i was i wanted just wanted to experiment with film and um ma- yeah making a music video is a great way to just um. Get the hang of it without worrying about a script or a crew or money. <laughs> um, so I just, yeah, I just you uh, grabbed a song and I just kind of filmed. I just came up with some really loose theme and just filmed weird looking things. Um, and I've always loved miniatures, so I just built some a couple of miniature sets and got a cheap smoke machine and um, it's just basically you know screwing around.
1: It looked like it fits comfortably with the work you're making, though, which is yeah. interesting. Like, kind of some carryover there. Mm. Is that kind of exploring those, that smoke in
2: there too, or? Um, you mean is is this? You mean the smoke?
1: Like it was like I I see some crossover just as far as like exploring how the smoke moves.
2: Oh yeah, well I guess I didn't that. specifically use it as reference, but it's I mean they're both there because I like I don't know smoky misty things. <laughs>
1: Um, another thing I wanted to ask about is the experience you were um, you had your work pirated uh, by a Croatian (laughs) and it seemed like the most screwed up thing and I'm reading their comments on your blog um, and it probably doesn't happen too often to comics folks but it was just like I don't know it seemed odd
2: yeah it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing it was just kind of odd um yeah, I just, I just, because every once in a while I, I Google myself just to see, like, who's, you know, who likes my comics or, you know. Who doesn't. Uh, yeah, who doesn't. Uh, I think I'm too obscure to, to garner any hatred so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I just stumbled across my, one of my stories being in a, in a Croatian anthology. Uh, in it. I've never actually seen it but just through looking through the website it's just like a, a small nice little arty um, um, alternative anthology and uh, one of the guys that wrote me after I found it um, explained that um, since they'd been through war for so long that the uh, people they, that for the longest time they could only get you know culture culture like movies and, and comics and stuff through bootleg. And so it's just kinda of like this 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 bad habit that it was still kind of stuck around or this that mentality of just bootlegging things from other countries. Um but it it was um uh I didn't feel like I was getting screwed over or anything. It was just more of a um, a, a lack of uh you know, it just would have been a good courtesy to be to to not- be notified or ask. But it's not I mean, it's not that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. It was just that's the thing, it's it's really interesting and I I didn't think about that concept of kind of a bootleg based culture
2: yeah
1: it's pretty crazy um now you also have been doing letterpress prints and Mm -hmm. i guess that kind of goes with what you were doing or kind of goes with like kind of that interest in the medieval imagery yeah um and they're pretty beautiful prints the ones i've seen that you have at shows um and kind of tell me a bit about the process of putting, creating those images, and the plates and stuff. Like, how involved would you get?
2: It's uh, the two friends of mine, this married couple, uh, um, John Peck and, and Lorene Mahler. Um, they're uh, I've known John since high school, um, and uh, they where I, where I rent my studio. They rent uh, the the room next door, and they have a letter press. And so I just thought it'd be neat to do a, a print with them. Um, and with letterpress, the the thing that kind of makes it stand out from other processes is the way it um, pushes into the paper, or they call it um, debossing, yeah, like the opposite of embossing, where it leaves an imprint. And so I thought it'd be neat to to, to do some art with them, and then try to make a um, like a print or a piece of art that you you can't really achieve in other medium or replicate on a on a computer. Um, So I came up uh, with these images, these two-color images where uh, one of the plates had ink applied to it and then the other plate had no ink applied to it and it would just um, imprint the image into the paper, just leave a um, a debossed line with no ink. Um, But it was, I mean, they they did the printing, but all I did was uh, I did a really dense uh, single pen drawing or a, a quill pen drawing. Um and then I just separated the two colors on Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. <it's> really <laughs> esoteric technology here. Um, and the one but the one part my friends don't do is is making the plates. What they have to do is send really high res Photoshop files to this company that that turns those into these um, these plates that are made out of some kind of like vinyl or plasticky material. Um that's basically like like a like a really plasticky like a plastic detailed version of like what uh of the same concept as as a woodblock print um and then they sent they send that back to my friends and my friends pick out the paper and the ink and they they attach it to this big cylinder dew wacky that they roll over the paper and it shoves the plates into the to the paper um and leaves the deboss and the ink and uh yes. most of the images i got um all right I got the idea from the images from looking through uh, this Tashen book um that's a collection of all of the the um uh illustrations from the original gutenberg bible
1: oh neat
2: um so I didn't s- steal anything particular, but there's just ideas in there or that that i that i kind of re reimagined
1: I definitely like. I did a course in Reformation history Uh um, about four or five years ago. It was a while. And uh, one of the things I did was do a paper on Reformation cartoons, because, you know, I'm a comic guy, um, or Reformation. Woodblock, prints, And I definitely get the feeling, like, really, um, I'm sure you kind of have enjoyed a lot of those, like, kind of horrible witch trial things or... Mm -hmm. Um, is that something you have looked at a bunch?
2: Well, I, um, I, my problem is I'm, I, I spend way too much time just looking at the pictures. Yeah. So I, I know I have books on that kind of stuff, but I've mostly just looked at the pictures and I don't, I I probably don't know anything about them (laughs) other than that. They look really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, you don't need to, that's what just, just the images. Uh, it, the the writing on the, that stuff wasn't particularly uh, fruitful. I don't think. Um, Ghosts of Ruins. It feels like it could be a kid's book, but I don't think I'd ever give it to a kid to read. <laughs> Does that make sense?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think there's some there's some lax parents out there that will let their kids pick it up and. And out of those kids, hopefully some of them will, I don't know, it'll be, it'll do interesting things to their brain.
1: (laughs) Do you have like a readership in mind when you're doing something like that?
2: I was, well, I'm just trying to make, um, trying to find ways to to put my favorite things together in a book. And, And since I'm not from another planet, hopefully there'd be other people out there that like it as much as I do. So I don't yeah I don't really target people as much as I just try to figure out how to make things that I love
1: now for folks um in the general bay area uh Ben's gonna be doing a signing and is that mission comics you said
2: yeah I don't have the information in front of me but it's it's um at mission comics which I think is on is probably on twentieth street near around Valencia and mission uh and it's going to be in the evening 7ish but if you look it up on the internet the internet will probably tell you there we go. <laughs> um,
1: and that's on Halloween
2: yes on Halloween
1: which feels very apropos do um, you know what I mean? yes <laughs> you went really quiet yeah. for a second
2: <laughs> well, that wasn't a question <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good Halloween gift book. Please buy go. my book <laughs> for Halloween.
1: Uh, oh, it's a free comics and artist signing. I think.
2: Oh, you have the internet in front of you. Yeah,
1: there we go. Oh, okay, I'm,
2: I'm, on I'm on a um, I'm on an iPad. I don't know if I'll cut you off if I look at the internet.
1: That's okay. I got it. Um. Well, thank you for joining me today to mm-hmm. yak about your comics, Ben. Um, thank you. And your art. I should say, uh, his new book, Reminder Folks, Ben Catmull, uh, Ghosts and Ruins from Fantagraphics, as well as, um, you may see Monster Parade around somewhere. I know uh, the full Monster Parade is up on Study oh, Group Comics. Yeah,
2: right? yeah, it's on studygroupcomics.com, is that what it is? The yeah. the actual comic is out of print, there are any more left. Oh, okay. But, so that's why we're putting it on the internet now.
1: There we go. Go visit the fine folks at Study Group Comics, and uh, they'll fill you in. Thank you so much, Ben.
2: All right. Thank you.
3: My daddy told me looking back The best friend you have is a I said I'm rolling my own And I'm leaving Missouri And I'm never coming home And I'm lost And I'm lost And I'm lost, and I'm lost. In the pattern of the world I'm hanged through the bishop In the barber shop light. your pudding and Lord God knows sitting by the fire without busting In the barbershop light I'm lost at the bottom of the world Black Jack, Ruby, and Imran King The moon's the color of a coffee stain Tennessee Frank and Bertie George Who is the king of all of these folks? And I'm lost, and I'm lost, and I'm lost at the bottom of the world. I'm handcuffed to the bishop and a barber shop. Light. I'm lost and i fish cakes and fried black swan razor weed and in the barbershop line. I'm lost at the bottom of the world.